Welcome to 8 Tracks, a show where we look at 8 tracks that share a theme. I'm Jamie, and as always, I'm joined by Katie. Good morning, sunshine. How are you doing? I'm depressed, how are you? (laughs) (laughs) Alright, thanks. I mean, I like how, you know, 13 episodes in now, we're just like, fuck with the niceties, fuck with the the whole kind of pretense. I'm really sorry, but I've been dating you for four and a half years and doing this podcast for 13 episodes. If you can't (laughs) handle me at my worst, you don't deserve me at my best. It goes for you too, listener bitches. So, listener bitches, <laughs> this week's theme is How Is That Not On The Album? The original title was How Is That A B-Side? But then I realised some of them weren't B-Sides. B-Sides was too hard and I'm too stupid. Uh, I, I just didn't want to be bogged down by it. So I was like, okay, if it wasn't on the original album that was recorded around the time of, that's our ruling for this week. And uh, Yeah, so basically we wanted to pick tracks that we thought should have been on the albums. And we're like, surprised that they're not. Let's, let's get into it. I'm starting this week. Go, Jamie. Go, Jamie, go, Jamie, go. We're right behind you. I don't even know what that's from. Oh my god, it's Go Baby by Garbage. Okay, cool. I'll listen to that song. <laughs> it's a great song. I like Garbage, as you can tell by my music taste. Fancy Shirley Manson. Oh, me too. <laughs> First up this week, it's The Talking Heads with Love Goes to Building on Fire. Track one. One, two, three, four. <laughs> So that was the Talking Heads. Yes. Now, I actually don't know how to say that song's name. I'm going by the Are You Talking Talking Heads to My Talking Head pronunciation. Because the song, like, literal written title is Love, Arrow, Building on Fire. Right, okay. But I've only ever heard it referred to as Love Goes to Building on Fire. I don't think David Byrne's going to come to your house and kick your face well, off if you've not pronounced it right. I'll be honest, I wouldn't put it past him. He's a fucking wild bastard. I know he is, but he's not got the, he's, I don't think he's he not got the emotional energy to come all the way I here. I think he would just like wait outside and follow me somewhere and be like, you pronounced my pod- my name wrong. My song name wrong. And you said podcast name the first day. So let's move on from this bit. Why did you pick that song? It was the first single, and as you just heard, a bit of a ball. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, they didn't end up putting it on Talking Heads 77. Right, okay. They decided to just put all new tracks on that. Sure, sure. But that, in turn, made it very hard to get your hands on, because unless you had the 45 version Mm -hmm. of that when it came out, you didn't have it. Right, okay. It wasn't released on a compilation or, you know, live album or whatever until 1992. All right, So that song came out in 1974. So unless you had the original pressing of that, you couldn't listen to it. Right, okay. Until, yeah, 1992. So it was kind of a lost Talking Heads track. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, it was like, it was a good kind of intro to the first album, I would say. Because it's, you know, as Talking Heads go, the first album's kind of a bit more, it reminds me of the Violent Femmes' first album, if you get what I mean, where it's like a... It's a little more poppy kind of thing. I think for me, it's like, they are a performing band, not an album band at that point. They are just some, like, they have a good concept for like a live performance. And I think like every track on Talking Heads 77 and Love Goes Building on Fire are all like examples of not being lost in production. Right, okay. To be honest, was Talking Heads 77 and that track not having the greatest production of all time. But I actually really like this era of Talking Heads, mm-hmm. and I think this is like an absolute banger of a track. Sure, sure. Like it starts off fairly standard, you know, the my love goes to your love, you know, and it's it's enjoyable and it's got like a bit of a hook. But mm-hmm. where it really kicks in for me is when those horns kick in, right? Okay, and it really takes it to the next level because I remember my love a horn. I do love a horn, but like it feels a bit standard without it you know what i mean it feels like this could be a cycle killer this could be but they did that a few times on 77 right okay like i think the first track on 77 love comes to town is a fairly standard track and then suddenly after i think the first chorus a steel drums kicks in all right okay i like that little choice they're like okay so these are like good songs are catchy but we need something to draw people in like, sure, a, sure. like a weird instrument choice i know horn, and they didn't but... have access to a marimba you know, a marimba. You're, you're obsessed with marimbas. I had one in Animal Crossing the other day, and now I know what it is, so I'm talking a lot about marimbas. I, like, this is a surprising first mention of Talking Heads in the podcast so far. I don't think we've actually yeah, talked about them. Is this really only the first time? Oh my god. I think so, anyway. Done. And you immediately bring it in with, are you talking Talking Heads to my, my Talking, talking Heads? Head, which you have the biggest stoner for. No, I, it's probably my least favourite of all our Lies. shows. But. You talk about it incessantly. That's because I really like the Talking Heads and they're talking about Talking Heads to my Talking Head. 
you should like every time I see that show's name, you should see Katie's face. She's just really upset by it, and it gives me some amount of pleasure. But if you don't know what that is, it's Scott Ackerman from Comedy Bang Bang and Adam Scott's podcast. They started doing a U two one, then they did an REM one, and now they're doing a Talking Heads one. And the name gets progressively. Uh, yeah, worse. it does. It does because it started off with like a pun on "Are you talking to me?" <coughs> with "Are you talking you two to me?" Which is a shit fucking pun anyway. No, I really like that track. Where do you think it would have sat on 77 then? I'm not sure. Like, I think it would have to be fairly early on. I don't know, because 77's like an album that progresses, if you get what I mean. Sure, I, feel like sure. it, I feel like it has a really nice flow to it, and that's maybe why it wasn't put on it. Maybe yeah, they yeah. couldn't just fit a space for it to go where it wouldn't just stand out. Yeah. But I, I, I think it's a bit of a loss that it's not on the album. Sure. If I'm being honest. I, I don't like uh, more songs about buildings and food. And you would you would, maybe swap them would, over? Well, well, that's the second album. Right. Oh, sorry. So I would replace sorry. basically anything on the second album with this song, but right. then it doesn't fit as well, because the second album is the first one they had produced by Brian Eno. Right. And yeah, you can tell that it's produced by Brian Eno. Right. Their first three albums are like an interesting development because they don't stay static sure, as a band, sure. and I really respect that about the Talking Heads. With Got the, the first one being this live sound, second one was like the similar songwriting to the first one, like that kind of you know songs for performance. Mm. But produced by Brian Eno, so it had sure. a bit more production. Sadly, the songs weren't quite as up to the point as mm. 77. And then the third one's Fear of Music, which is just fucking weird. Yeah, yeah. But I think Love Goes to Building on Fire is an underrated track. Maybe mm. just because it's less heard of. Like, Because I didn't even know about it until... Well, if it didn't get a commercial release, a proper commercial release until 28 years ago, it's not going to be very well no, known, is No, no. I mean, like after the Talking Heads have put in the majority of their catalogue yeah, is yeah. when that came out. So, what are your feelings on the Talking Heads? Yeah, alright. Right. Yeah, right. yeah, like them. No, I like Talking Heads, I do. Aye. I've spoken before about my mum and dad being really into music. My dad really likes Talking Heads. Mm. And I think my mum likes them as well, but I don't think she'd ask you to put them on kind of thing. Yeah, I inherited Stop Making Sense on vinyl from them. Oh, nice. Yeah, and that was my first Talking Heads record. I've, um, got, I've got an admission to make. So. I've never listened to Stop Making Sense. It's very good. It's very, yeah. very good. Yeah. I feel like... um. I have a sorry. I have a thing about live albums. Um, and doesn't, I know, so it doesn't yeah, have I live album vibes. It doesn't. Yeah. You'd really like it. Hmm. I know you have a thing about live albums. I know you don't like listening to recorded versions of live music, but unless like unless I'm watching a video of it, which mm-hmm. is maybe I should watch the Talking Heads. Yeah, uh, I'd like to watch Stop, Stop Making, Making Sense. Sense. I've never seen it. I've only uh, I only have it on vinyl. So I like the Talking Heads. It took me a while to discover them. To be honest, I think I was at well maybe college or university by the time I'd heard of them. And yeah, my dad's quite into them. I found out post that. Because he keeps putting, oh, he has this like compilation of covers of different songs, and David Byrne did a song, "Don't Fence Me In." He did a cover of "Don't Fence sure, Me In," sure. and my dad's fucking obsessed with it. Yeah, yeah. So he keeps playing it, and God love my dad, not the best singer in the world, oh. and he keeps doing a David Byrne impression. And it's been burned I straight see, into my memory. I see what you did there, Master Puns. I didn't even mean to. It was burned straight into my memory whenever oh, I hear... Burned with a Y. Uh-huh. Shall we move on from the talking heads to something a bit shitter? Significantly shitter, in my opinion. Oh, okay, right. Okay, that hurt me emotionally. But my first track of this 13th episode of the podcast, oh, Unlucky spooky. for Everyone. <laughs> yeah, it's unlucky because you put this fucking band. No, don't. All right, fucking hold the fuck on. This is In Your World by Muse, right? Right, so let's start off here by saying that there's nothing wrong with liking Early Muse. Early Muse is really good, right? Everything up to, was that, uh, Absolution. Great album. Album, fourth album. I was heavy into Muse when I was young. I think I'd rather be sucked into a supermassive black hole than listen to the Muse. Ah, fucking, I'm going to take you outside and drive my car right over your fucking head. I'd rather plug in baby my iPod so I could listen to another band. There's nothing wrong with Muse. There's t- there's nothing there's nothing wrong with like early Muse. There's not. Katie, oh, my time is running out, and I've just had to listen to Muse. So I'm unhappy. Go and finish your finish your fucking joke. It's sending me into a hysteria. I'm beginning to wonder if our relationship is Stockholm <laughs> syndrome. That's the only other one I can actually make. No, I don't. I don't think there's anything wrong with early Muse. I really don't. Their first album is really good. I like Plugin Baby. That's a good song. Well, this um. Okay, so I should explain. In Your World was a double A-side single okay. with 
Oh my god, I've oh, got it's the gone. name of the other it's song. Gone. I've forgotten the name. Oh, right, I'm gonna have to consult Wikipedia. I'm really I'm really angry about I'm this. Le- I'm leaving this in the podcast. Please, please leave I wish, it in. I wish we had a picture of your face there. I, sometimes I wish we had a podcast because uh, <laughs> your face just went black there <laughs> at the moment of like sheer panic setting when you Yeah. It's cause like see when we listen to the tunes, I always read up before when I'm picking my tunes, but I always read up when we're listening to the song so I don't like have nothing to say that about was quite, my songs. That was quite a short uh it was a double A side with Dead Star that they released a studio version of in support of the Hullabaloo soundtrack. So Hullabaloo is the live album that they did just after Origin of Symmetry. Right. Fuck up, right. Honestly, don't don't give me shit for liking Muse. Don't I'm I not, don't do I'm it. Not. That face says I am giving you shit for liking Muse. No, so that, dial it the fuck back. That face said Muse live album. <laughs> no, it's a really good Hollow is a really good album. They play loads of like really deep cuts. It's really good. It's really, really good. I think Muscle Museum's on it. That's one of my favourite Muse songs. Do they do any covers? Yeah, feeling good. Oh, oh is that whether that's fair? No, no, that's from, that's on Origin of Sympathy. Uh, so, uh, Symmetry. I fucking hate that cover. Right. I was going to say, I would rather In Your World was on Origin of Symmetry rather than Feeling Good. Yeah, I agree. But then, like, to be fair to them, the cover of Feeling Good did make them kind of popular. That was yeah. like that was a selling point of Muse. I remember so many folk being like... The single came out after the album. I know, but I remember like loads of folk being like, Muse... Are amazing. Listen to the cover. It was feeling good. I, yeah, but like Plug In Baby's on that album. Megalomania is on that album. You can tell it's the same album as Plug In Baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just because he hasn't changed his guitar sound at all. No, he he only had one pedal. Yeah, and I think it was a Boss DS one. You fucking weirdo! I was joking. <laughs> like no, no joke. He's just got some shit fuzz on his guitar. Don't get me wrong. I like Plug In Baby. Yeah, yeah. I really do like that song. I really, I can't get into Matt Bellamy's voice. And that song didn't really do much for me. That's, like it's, compl- it's no, all that's right. completely fine. It's all right. Like the rest, decent. But I'm fairly sure that's a reference. It's at least a nod to a classical piece of music. I can't think of the name of right now. Can I just interject here? Mm. Every single oh, I know. riff, piano, thing, vocal tick that Matt Bellamy does mm. is a reference to something classical. In this kind of look at me, I heard of Rachmaninoff way. I know. He's just like I have Moliere's symphonies. The Moliere symphonies. Who knows? I don't even know who Moliere is. I oh wait, right. I said I was trying to think of a classical musician there to be as much of a wanker as Matt Bellamy, but then I, I, the only one I could think of was the one that Rick Mayo says in an episode of Bottom. So <laughs> fair fucks, fair fucks. I, so I I think I mentioned before the first band that I got really really into was Muse. Yeah. The second band I got really really into was Placebo. Spoiler alert for later. So <laughs> I do have a soft spot in my heart for early Muse. Everything before Black Holes and Revelations. I don't mind Black Holes and Revelations as an album, weirdly, but then it's not particularly early music. Yeah, it's not. Everything up to Absolution is. Uh, oh, I absolutely love it. Absolutely. I really, really do. And I can go back and I can listen to them and be like, these are good tunes, really good tunes. And I love Muse's first album. I love Origin Cemetery. Uh, I never get that name right. You can clearly see how. Origin of. Origin of. Early Muse stuff gets shot on because. Number one, Muse are now absolute fucking garbage. Mm. Absolutely terrible. Total shite. Absolute shit munchers. What was that one they did? Like, that's, that's been since they did that one that sounded like the Doctor Who theme. Everything they do sounds like the Doctor Who theme now. No, no. And Matt Bellamy's just like, one time I sucked off an alien, let me tell you a fucking, <laughs> let, let me tell you a tale about it. This is a story all about how I blew an alien purple Upside cow. Upside down. <laughs> no, like, genuinely, Matt Bellamy is just a series of conspiracy theories taped together in human flesh. Also, a big, big upper middle wanker. Oh, I'm sorry. Upper middle is... You've lowballed him so... No, 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 no. But he, he was married to a Hollywood actress. They lived in Hollywood. I like, bet. But it's not necessarily about money with class. Okay. It's his aspirations. I don't see him as upper because there's a difference between... Like, Matt Bellamy has aspirations and that's an upper middle thing rather yeah, than an upper thing. most of those thing. aspirations are specifically to hurt me. I know, I know. He does have it out for you. He's a big libertarian wank I know, I know. He's such a... Like, I just... I can't... I cannot abide him. I cannot abide him. But Early Muse is still good. 
It's also nice to see cryptids performing on stage. Absolutely. Because he is a fucking cryptid. Yeah, the Devonshire Wankstein. <laughs> <laughs> I've just invented a new cryptid. Devonshire Wankstein. That's good. That's is good Devonshire? Shit. Is it just Devon or is it Devon? I is Devon, Devon a Shire? I think it's Devon. Well, Devon's now a Shire. Fuck it. Devonshire Wankstein. Fuck it. <laughs> Matt Bellamy up on stage just like fucking moving his weird tentacly arms about going like yeah. <laughs> That's what he fucking no, sounds like to me as well. Sound, yeah, that makes him sound like quite cool like something that came out like a Lovecraft story and started playing rock music. Aye but he also then votes Trump. Get out of town. No no but I wouldn't put it past him. Oh no I wouldn't either. He probably endorses a libertarian candidate because he has come out and said <laughs> I'm a libertarian like okay Aye, you're just a wank. No you're just a millionaire. Who has enough money to live for themselves? Yeah, you know but what I mean? like, right, I'm not. I am not kidding when I say that Matt Bellamy is a series of conspiracy theories sellotaped together in human mm. flesh. Like, I'm not joking about that, right? Mm. Because I love a conspiracy theory. Love them. Oh, same. Love same. a little bit of last podcast and left. Love a wee unsolved mystery. Ooh, that's a wee bit of salt and pepper on my life. Mm. Love it. Spice up my day. However, if you let those conspiracy theories rule you, you are nothing but a mess. Right, and like I. Matthew Bellamy 100% believes in QAnon. I know, he is a big QAnon wanker, isn't he? 100% he believes in QAnon. Right, I love a conspiracy theory as much as the next gentleman. Bush did 9 11. That's not a conspiracy, that's true. But you never want to become one of these guys that it's their entire identity. Exactly! There's a game shop in Edinburgh that I really like going into. It's on Leith Walk. But every time I go in there, there's oh, this wee God. boy who will not fucking stop talking to me. About aliens, and I enjoy it for five minutes, but he also doesn't get social cues and I'm trying to leave the show. The last time we went in, I had to tell him that I thought the bush did 9 11 so I could leave. It was, uh, he's, he's, he's got a fucking Elvis tattoo, I love that boy. Yeah, like the guy is awesome, like the shop is awesome, the aye, shop aye. is incredible. It's not the owner, like, no, no, uh, the no, 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 it's just his pal. But mm. like, yeah, the shop is incredible. The last time we went in, I think I told him about a game, and he was like, I'll have to research that one. I've never heard of that one. And I was like, oh my god, oh no, fuck, what have I done here? <laughs> for... He really liked me coming in for a while because I kept buying Saturn games because you got me a Saturn. Yeah, yeah. He just enjoyed chatting about the Saturn money. Yeah, yeah, you bought my Dreamcast from in there as well. Yeah, and he yeah. was like, had some good crack about that. Aye, this this is completely off topic. Let's go move to, on to the next song. No, 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 but I will plug them like all, oh, to all five listeners. Go to Games Masters Games Exchange only for because No, are... sorry, you can't plug them because they're never open. Well, if they're open... Davy's got a bad back. Go to Games Exchange Only Fork. It's good shit. Davy's got a bad back, so you have to work out how Davy's back's doing before you can work out whether you can go in or not. Love Davy, though. Big fan of Davy. Right. Come on. Back to music. So, next up... Who started this tangent? Probably me. It sounds something like I would do, Uh but... What's next? Next up is me. And, you know what? Surprise, surprise, we're talking about Interpol for the 50th fucking time. There's nothing wrong with that. No, it's good. They're a good band. And it's their B-side specialist. Track three. How the fuck was that not on Turn On The Bright Lights? I don't know. And every other Interpol fan has asked the same question at different points in their lives and nobody's been able to give them a half-decent answer. This song was the reason I made this list. Yeah. This was the topic choice. Yeah. Like, There's always one song that makes you think of a topic. Yeah, yeah of course. And this was it. This is my favourite Interpol song. Oh, Yeah. Absolutely, without a fucking doubt. Yeah. It is so well put together, mm-hmm. I, I I don't understand why it was cut from the album. Yeah, there's a lot of songs that were cut from Turn On The Bright Elites. Like, if you hadn't picked Specialist, I would have picked Song 7 or okay. Cubed. So, yeah, there, there's a lot of songs that were on the Black EP mm-hmm. that didn't make it onto Turn On The Bright Lights, and nobody really can understand why. This song was also specifically... Chemical Underground released Interpol stuff in the very beginning in the UK. Mm. Chemical Underground are like a Motherwell based yeah. music label for anyone who doesn't know. And so they did a series called Fucked ID. And so, like, you know, Arab Strap did one, Best did one, and Interpol did a Fucked ID. Yeah. And this was the kind of main track on Fucked ID. I think it's Fucked ID 3. Sure. This goes for like a couple of grand now, Jesus. this record. Because The Specialist is like every Interpol fan's song that got away. Yeah. It's because it's such a well-paced song. I know it's yeah. longer. It's six minutes, it's like six compared to our, like, yeah. you know, the two minute and three minute songs we picked at the start. 
but it flows so well. Yeah. And there's like different phases of the song. There's the intro, like or the kind of you know slowly builds on that creeping bass yeah. and that you know you made me push my buttons. Oh yeah, you make me spit. Slowly builds in, guitar creeps in, like mm. starts building, drums kick in a wee bit. Second guitar kicks in with yeah, like a yeah. sick riff, and then suddenly it's like at that absolute belter of a hook that I love the way you put me in the big house bit. Yeah, yeah. It's, but and, that was a common theme for a lot of songs on Turn on the Bright Lights. Yeah, and it was. It was like about a progression. Yeah. Again, it's their journeys. They're Absolutely. not static pieces with Interpol. No, no, of course. But my favourite bit has to be the breakdown. Well, I say I call it a breakdown, but that's you know after the break, it breaks after the chorus, and it's stun- It's just him and one guitar. Yeah. Uh, singing. If, if I got there, there early, would it be the right time? I fucking love that bit. That yeah, and yeah. then it builds back up. It's a great song. So like the guitar solo is not like anything technically brilliant, but it's melodically like right on point. Mm. It's just so good. Yeah. If you if you could put this on turn on the bright lights, what would you take off? <sighs> See, I I like Interpol, but I don't know them all that yeah. well. What's there's two ones called Obstacle, right? Obstacle one and two, yeah. I would take Obstacle two off. Okay, but okay. Oh, is it Obstacle one I like. I can't remember. I like one of the Obstacle ones. You probably like Obstacle one. Yeah. Yeah. But, I like, but that's the only track I can actually think of that's sure, on Turn sure. On The Bright Lights. Yeah. Apart from what was the other one? There was the big single off Turn Off The Bright Lights. Like the most Obstacle famous. 1. No, there's another PDA. one. PDA. PDA, that's it. The PDA and Obstacle 1 are the only ones I can really think yeah. of off Turn On The Bright Lights because it's not my favourite sure. album. I like Antics and I like Self-Titled, isn't it? Yep, as indeed. Wait, you like Self-Titled? No, one? no, sorry, it's El Pintor. It's okay, El Pintor I was, I was, I was going to worry about you there because nobody likes Interpol. Not even Interpol like Interpol. No, no. I would take NYC off. Oh, yeah. Yeah, kind of problematic because that's where the... It's up to me now, turn oh, on the bright lights. That's, a good that's song where that comes well, yeah. from. Yeah, but I think it's weirdly down on the rest of the album. If I had... Like, don't get me wrong, I really like the song. Really, mm. really like the song. And it's really lovely to put in the guitar because it's only an F and a C. Yeah. So Muggins here can play it. I would put Specialist on... I would maybe finish the album on Specialist. I would, I would absolutely finish the album on Specialist. Yeah. There's no doubt that that's an ender. Yeah, yeah. That's a close. Yeah, yeah. It's hard for me to think about it because I, I, it's not the most like familiar album for me. Mm. Like normally, I'd have like I would sequences here, blah blah, yeah, yeah. blah 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 blah. But I just think it's such a strong song, and it mystifies me. Like it feels like a producer decision, not like a band decision to take that off. I mean, you never know; they could hate that song. But any time I've ever seen them, they've played it. Really? Yeah. Apart from the time that we Apart saw them. Apart from the time that we saw them. <laughs> Apart from the time that we saw them. Yeah, because I've seen them maybe two or three times, and they always... Specialist is always in the encore. Because it's, it's a fucking ball. Yeah. It's classic Interpol, and it's like the pinnacle of classic Interpol, yeah, I think. It it's better than anything on the album. It's a hot take. It's the best track. Uh, it's a really hot take. Yeah, because that's cause some, that album's got some of my favourite Interpol songs on it. So oh, it Roland's I... on there. Like, I really like Obstacle 2 as well. Mm. I'm um, not saying that any of them are bad songs. Yeah. But I think the specialist or specialist, sorry, is yeah. better than anything on it. Yeah. Fair enough. Personally. That's just like your opinion, man. That is just like my opinion, man. You're correct on that. Correct about a lot of things, but nobody seems to want to give me the time of day. <laughs> I'm raging they didn't play that trans bit. I don't think they would play it at a festival. No, it's, it's too obscure. Like I can see them playing it like for when you know. Because fans will know that song. But yeah. Can I just say that, see when we saw them I think at you Transmat, mentioned this. I don't give a fuck. I'm going to say it again because this makes me so angry. So you're going to have to sit there and listen, right? So see when we saw them at Transmat, they were fucking great. They were really, really good. We had a great time. I looked over and there was a girl with a tattoo of the little dummy from Evil in the Evil music video. And I was like, good, good. These are my people. A lot of people here to see Interpol. Had a great time. And then the son called their set the low light of the entire weekend. Yeah, but the Sun are just trying to appeal to lad culture and obviously they'd be soaking the arse off of Blossoms who were on before them and Arctic Monkeys were on after. I'm so, I was so mad at that. Like, Interpol were the best band that night because fucking Alex Arctic th- Monkeys were crap. He was out his dome. He was out his dome. Like, they were alright. They weren't amazing. I wasn't impressed by them. No. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't call them shite shite. I would. You would. Blossoms were boring. Blossoms, yeah. like Blossoms, had good tunes but no presence. Yeah, they were okay. Yeah, Interpol were really, really good. Aye. And they got up there in their suits and they play like they're working a job and they're working hard and they're doing their best. Mm. And at some point, somebody says, "It's nice to be here, Glasgow." Glasgow. And you go, "Oh no!" Somebody said Glasgow again, and then they play fucking I don't know. Stella was a diver and she was always down, and I go, 
okay, I'll forgive you because you're playing Stella was a diver and she was almost dead. Yeah, they were good. And that's how it goes. I was mad about that. But mm. now we're going to go into my next song, which I'm less mad about. This is Steam Comes Off Our House by DeRosa. So yeah, Steam Comes Off Our House by DeRosa. Great song. Totally know why it wasn't on prevention. Still feel in my heart of hearts that it should have been on prevention and nobody can convince me otherwise. You're going to have to take the lead on this, I'm afraid. Totally fine. So, I don't know all that much about DeRosa. Right, okay. Everyone should know about DeRosa because DeRosa are fucking great, right? And nobody gives DeRosa the time of day. Mm. That's bad. Let's rectify this. So DeRosa are like, I don't know, they're a Scottish band from fucking Lanarkshire or somewhere. West fucking, Coast. Yeah. They're from Abbott, right? Aye. So Surprise, surprise. I know, I know. Their lead singer teaches guitar at a school. Oh, not I... far from me as well. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen him in Kirky every so often and I'm like that. Oh, you're Martin John Henry. Oh, there you go. But yeah, so DeRosa were a band who released two albums, Mend and Prevention, and then knowing they were too good for this world, decided to end the project before the, I don't know, like... Just, you know, Imploded God himself. Yeah, overturned the planet. Yeah, absolutely. So this was on an album called The Ballad of the Books. And the Ballad of the Books was Idlewild. Another hint for later. Making bands collaborate with authors. Yes. To write songs. So Ian Rankin did a song with, I believe it was Malcolm Middleton. No, it wasn't. It was Aidan Moffat. Oh, cool. It was Aidan Moffat. The absolute legend, the Bolgian, the greatest of the greats, the highest of the high, Edwin Morgan did a song with Idlewild. Yep. Um, Scottish fiction? Uh, no, oh, it was not Scottish fiction. It was he not. also did that? He also did Scottish fiction, but he did a song specifically for this album ah, with yeah. Idlewild called The Weight of Years. But The Ballad of the Books was like a collaborative effort and DeRosa did Steam Comes Off Our House with Michael Faber, mm. who is a really good author who writes a lot of books about Scotland despite being from like, I think he's Swedish or something like that. Mm. But yeah, so I completely understand how this song couldn't have been on Prevention, which was the album, the Rosa album that came out after the Ballad of the Books. Yeah. But I still want it to be there because I think this is one of Rosa's best songs. Mm. But it, nobody's heard of it because nobody listened to the Ballad of the Books. NME gave it two and a half stars. Why? NME gave this album two and a half stars, right? And see if you go and listen through the album. Like, there's songs in Gaelic. There's songs in like... There's just good songs. There's amazing songs. It's very Scottish. It's Scottish culture. It's like... I bet enemies English, so I'm not going to get it. No, I bet it was fucking Mark Beaumont who reviewed it as well. I fucking hate Mark Beaumont. I've got such a fucking beef with that prick. <laughs> I hate him, honestly. I love going back and reading old, like, Pitchfork enemy reviews of good albums that they've slated. Because I was like, you're pretentious wanks. Mark Beaumont wrote a whole article, like a DPS, a double-page spread, about how much he hated Interpol. And they just printed it. Now I was like, I must have been about like 50 at the time. And I was like, I am going to write a fucking letter. I am going to. And my mum was like, Katie, don't write a letter. And I, I was so close. See if, see if I had access to alcohol, I would have got drunk and written a letter. 100% and just called him a cunt 15 times. I never got the whole cult of personality thing with enemy and his writers. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't into it. I wasn't ever trying to. I was more of a Kerrang lad. I was going to say, you read Kerrang. I read enemy because I exclusively wore Converse and had a large sweeping fringe. I mean, you just described me as well. <laughs> Kerrang and Metal Hammer for yeah, me. I never read Metal Hammer. Oh, Metal Hammer was fun. It strikes me as a sort of magazine that people who... Enjoy metal music might read. No, who go into Warhammer <laughs> and fucking just sweat. Not necessarily, that's White Dwarf. Just sweat. I sweat. Sweat is accurate. Aggressive Not necessarily sweat. the Warhammer thing. But they sweat and it comes out and it smells a wee bit like Monster. Hi. Speaking of which, our sponsor for this show. No, uh, no, 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 no. Don't start. Do not try me, bitch. But yeah, no, this is a great song. DeRosa are a great band. Please listen to DeRosa. Please listen to DeRosa. They're really good. Martin John Henry's solo album is also really good. Yeah. Yeah, it's really, really good. I'm, I'm really upset at the fact that nobody has ever listened to DeRosa. He did a cover of Cody by oh, Mogwai. He did a cover of Cody by Mogwai and it was really, really good. And I went to see Kid Canaveral at, it was like a stereo in Glasgow or something stupid like that. And Martin John Henry was supporting them and he played Cody mm. and I cried like a little girl. 
Cody's an absolutely fucking brilliant Cody's song. a belter, and he does a smashing cover of it. See, this track kind of reminds me, there's a Porcupine Tree song called Pure Narcotic. Mm-hmm. And the kind of the... Uh, you know, in the background mm-hmm. of that um, is very similar to like the breakdown at the end of that. Right, okay. I don't like Porcupine Tree, so I can't help you there. No, um, I... I Quite like Porky Wine Tree. For your sins. For my sins. Despite Steven Wilson being a fucking walloper. But the Lord tests us in many ways. It does it does give me for some reason I think it's the chord sequence mm-hmm. and like that song's not well, Porky Pine Tree are weird. I was gonna say it's not a typical Porky Wine Tree, but it is in a sense. And yeah. it's, it's not in a sense. But it did remind me of that. Definitely they are similar sounding mm. tunes. Absolutely. Tunes. Tweet us with your favourite transitions so we can use them in the show. <laughs> <laughs> I actually used that. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to use that. <laughs> that being one of them. <laughs> now we're moving on to talk about my next pick. <laughs> it is Jason Andrew Elva by Green Day. You know, I can't believe that I haven't really spoke all that much about Green Day on here. Yeah. They were probably the most important band in my teenage years mm-hmm. to me. I've seen them twice. Mm-hmm. Listened to their songs like fucking millions of times. And yeah, I think this is their first mention on the show. Well, welcome to the podcast, Green Day. Welcome to the podcast. Billy Joe. If you have any transitions for us, we'd love it <laughs> yeah. if you could donate some. <laughs> yeah, please, please record his transition, Green Day. <laughs> so I can just use it when I have nothing to say. <laughs> like we both did that in that last segment. <laughs> we that just was just, out of chat. Yeah, it was hellish. Anyway. So that was Jason Andrew Elba. Yes. By Green Day. Classic Green Day. Now, that was recorded for an album. It wasn't released until International Super Hits. It was slightly reworked. One of the first albums my granny ever bought me. Oh. She bought me a fake copy of it from the Barris. Nice. Love that. No, it was the Forge Market. Excuse Forge me, it was Market. the Forge Market. So yeah, International Super Hits was a compilation album that came out after Warning, before Shenanigans, um... Which was like a big period of transition for Green Day, where they weren't quite sure what direction to go in. So, knowing that that's off an album pre-international super hits, mm-hmm. what album do you think that came from? Right, okay. Here's the thing. That question relies on me knowing any Green Day albums, <laughs> right? I'm just going to say Kerplunk. No. Dookie. Yes. Right. <laughs> so that was, uh, that was cut off of Dookie. And it's about... Uh, Mike Durant's friend who died right. uh, in a car crash when he was young. Was that his name? Yeah, right. Jason Andrew Elva. And yeah, it's kind of, I think, them coming to terms of mortality in the track. Sure. <laughs> Through their usual pop punk stylings. Yeah, and presumably at some point talking about wanking. Ah, at some point, probably. But it's a really good track. I can kind of see why it's not on Dookie. Yep. I don't know where I would sequence it. Because like, Dookie my, is one of my favourite albums of all time. Mm-hmm. I think it is just, you know, front to back. Mm-hmm. doesn't have a dud on it. It's just exactly where everything is where it needs to be. Right. It's really well paced. It's, you know, doesn't outstay its welcome. Sure. And the themes from this kind of went into a song called The Many Sleepiest, which is on, I think, the 11th track of Dookie. Right. So I can see why they didn't, maybe they didn't want to put this on. Because mm-hmm. that song's kind of about... It's not about the friend dying, but mm-hmm. it's about seeing an old friend and kind of realising what the fuck am I doing with my life. Right. But it has that feel of the quality of tracks from Dookie. So, it, you know, when you look at it as mm. a cut track, you know, or, you know, as an extra from International Super Hitch, you're like, where the fuck was that yeah, not yeah. on the album? Because it is a really strong song. The only issue I have, I think, is the kind of breakdown in the middle where he's like, I know that, you know that you're watching me. I think that's a pretty messy transition for Green Day. Especially because I think it's, yeah, a really weak vocal line for Take that, Billy Joe Armstrong, you fucking fuck. It's kind of like, you know that. Like, it's, it doesn't feel like a Green Day line. It feels sure. like kind of forced in. Uh, it just doesn't work as well. But it goes into a nice solo. But for that whole track, the bass is absolutely killing it. Mike Durant is obviously who wrote the song. is mm. absolutely fucking smashing it. That well, why line. would you disrespect your dead friend know, by shit playing bass shit bass? Line. But that, I love that ending, mm. which is Mike Durant on lead vocals. Sure. Singing uh, uh, while absolutely smashing fuck at the bass. And I, I do like that all the other instruments just drop out with mm. Billy Joe Armstrong doing harmonies on that and, you know, Mike Durant. Sure. So International Super Hits was one of these albums that could have just been another Green Day album. It mm. felt like it. I mean, yeah. it had three new tracks on it. Which, all of which were good. Maria, Rock Rocks and Coke, and Jason Andrew Elva. And, you know, a selection of hits from their other albums. But it did feel like a 
the other studio album release at the time. Yeah, yeah. I've got the International Super Videos version, which is a compilation of their music videos. Wow. Because uh, I was a big Green Day fan. Wow. It's, it's a G. Yeah, no, I can see it. Thanks, I know how the alphabet works. It's not It's not alphabetized with I, but G. And Green Day. But yeah, no, it was like a big period of transition for Green Day. So this was kind of like the last, I don't know, like 90s Green Day sounding track. I think Warning maybe came out in 2000. I could be wrong on that. But at this point, they were in a bit of a, you know, they didn't know really what to do. And Shenanigans mm. came out. And I don't know if that's considered a studio album. I think it is. Right, okay. I like that album quite a lot. It's a strange album. Okay. It's produced really weirdly, but I like that. And then they tried to write another album, lost all the masters in a studio fire. And had to completely start afresh and then did American Idiot Mm -hmm. after that. Whoa, hello there. This is Future Jamie with a wee editor's note. They didn't actually lose the songs in a studio fire. The masters were stolen in an act of corporate espionage. And that's way more interesting. I wish I'd actually known that. Anyway, back to the show. I think, yeah, Jason Andrew Alva is one of these kind of lost Green Day songs. I'd love Mm. to see them do it live. I haven't. I've seen them twice now. I've not seen them in Scotland yet, though. Oh, actually, right, okay. weirdly, I've only ever seen them. I've travelled. Are they not played in like Billhouston Park or something? Well, not anymore because of COVID. Oh right, yeah. I shame. forgot there was a pandemic. <laughs> yeah, I for a second. Bastard. I saw them at Wembley, mm-hmm. and actually, technically, I'm on one of the live albums because I was in the audience. Right. For a track in it. Wow. Good. Good um, job. Good job. I know. Hard work for me. Yeah. That was a fucking wild gig. Joan Jett opened for them. Nice. And also Frank Turner, but that's less impressive than seeing Joan Jett. But you're trying to shit on the fact that I've got Christmas number one, so... You've got Christmas... Oh, yeah. <laughs> kind of. Kind of. Tenuously. No, I'm on the song, so I've got Christmas number one. Are you, how are you on that song? Because I'm singing on the song. Are we talking about Live Aid here? No. I thought you were trying to make some tenuous no, link to no, your no. uncle being mid No, there's a... Um, there's a, I think it's, is it S Club that had a Christmas number one? Are you on that? I don't know that. You fucking know this. No, I didn't you know You fucking this. know this. Right. I never had a dream come true. Are you on that? I'm on that song. How are you on that? Right, because S Club 7 did a competition, right, for school choirs to do the backing in that song. And the Lindsay Moss School Choir were one of the choirs that were chosen. What? Do you not know no. this? What? Do you not know this? What? I'm in that song. I'm what in that the song. Fuck? I'm in that song, yeah. They chose like they don't get me wrong, they chose like forty schools. They chose like forty schools. Still? That's fucking they, wild. Yeah, I've got a Christmas number one. I'm in that song, yeah. I don't like I've never got anything for it. Like, you know, it was one of the like you, you sign away all your rights kind of thing, but I'm in that song. Yeah, me at the back, like fucking like seven year old, going. I never had a dream come true. Sounded like Isa <laughs> still game. Fuck, <laughs> like, I didn't me know that. Me the bogus gas man. <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah I've got a Christmas. Fuck no, you knew hell. that. I've told you. No, you've never told me that because that would burn into my memory. Oh, I've told the fuck in my work because it came on the radio and I went, "I'm in that song," and they were like, "Are you fuck?" And I was like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." I'm 100% in that song. I've got a CD in the house. Here, I was just thinking you're talking wank about how your uncle's Midge, you Got that. <laughs> no, no. Uncle Please, Midge. He's not my uncle. Please contact Katie, she misses you. He's, he's not my uncle, but I am related he's to He's a lady in that coat. <laughs> right, Katie. What's your next track? Cut this. No, it's not getting cut. My next track is Slacker Bitch by Placebo. <laughs> Right, so that was Slacker Bitch. That was the B-side to Nancy Boy. Oh, was it? You can yes. tell it's on Placebo. Yes. The 20th anniversary uh, re-release of the album came with that. Like, it was oh, on nice. the album, but it's a big fan favourite. Like, I... Right, I love Placebo. I've listened to all their studio albums, like, 40 million fucking times. I've seen them. Mm. We've seen them. We've seen them. They were good. But I've never listened to that B-Sides album. Yeah, it's and good. And that's made me go, like... Oh fuck! I want to go listen to that. So they're they're oh, this is bad. Their B sides aren't that great. No, their B sides are not that great. Is Jackie not a B side though? Great question. I don't know. Might be. So yeah, like they did a lot of covers. So 
Oh, the Where Is My Mind's on that. No, it? no, that... no, no. That was actually, I think that was released as a single because that yeah. was in something. I can't remember what. It doesn't matter. A lot of covers like Big Mouth Strikes Again was one. Mm, is that a good cover? Is no. That? Yeah, that's because that's uh, a hard Daddy song. Cool. I, I, I fucking love Daddy Cool. No, song. but the placebo version's really bad. It's really bad. Hot take. Daddy Cool's a fucking bop. Oh, of it's a, a banger. It's a banger. Boney M are great. Yeah, Boney M are great. Ra Ra Rasputin. Hit me with it. Russia's famous love machine. Yeah. Do you know that Rasputin's grandchildren were alive when that song comes out? That's fucking great. Imagine having to sit and listen to a song. I think I'm paraphrasing a tweet here, but imagine like having to sit and listen to a song that talks about how hard your granda fucks. It's good. Yeah. Fuck yeah. I'd be like, yeah, that's my granda. Yeah. This is my granda, and this is his, like, his horse penis mm. kept alive in saline. Dark Mage Rasputin. Right. Yeah, anyway, so... Stop, stop making fucking metal growls. <laughs> but yeah, so... Um, Didn't know I was in a podcast with Randy Blythe by Lama God. That reference went over my head, I'm too stupid. Anyway, so... Yeah, a lot of their B-sides aren't that great. The other one I wanted to pick was Soulmates. Mm. That was a B-side... I don't know what it was a B-side to, but it was a, it was a cut song from Sleeping With Ghosts. Ah, okay. It, it's a kind of alternate version of Soulmates Never Die. Okay, right, sure. I like it better, mm. but because Soulmates Never Die is on the album, I thought, you know, that's the technicality. Like, uh, that's, no, but, like, that's still, one for a different episode. Maybe an episode. Hinty, hinty, hint, hint. So I can't keep doing hints. I can't keep giving no. people hints. Like, this whole podcast is just... You've done maybe, a hint every single song yeah. so far. But I really like to do that kind of ASMR thing where you get in really close to the mic and, like, talk nice. <laughs> that was the same sound as that guy who swallowed the hot dog hole. I know that was that was wee too, that was a wee two good boys uh, two good boys wretch noise reference. Uh, but yeah, so Slacker Bitch is great. A little bit problematic with its language, but Placebo are the queerest band on air. Yeah, them, so. a big part of Placebo as an album's identity is kind of Brian Malko using language like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know. I, I guess it's maybe a reclamation. Oh yeah, totally. Kind of because thing. Brian Moko's bisexual, Stephen mm. Osfall is gay, and their drummer changes every day. Mm. So he could, he, they could be anything they want to be. Exactly. So yeah, exactly. Love that. Love that. So if you were to put that on placebo, where would you sequence it? See, that's a great question. Would you I take anything off? I don't know that I could take anything off placebo. No, it's such a I don't strong know that I could take a thing album. off that album. I really don't. Because another thing I wanted to pick was HK Farewell. Oh, that's, te- that's on that's the album. That's technically a hidden track. That's just on the album, yeah. Yeah, but it's a hidden track at the end of the album. Mm. But it was put on the 20th anniversary edition. Mm. So I was like, oh, okay, it must have been a B-side. No, it wasn't. It was a fucking hidden track. Yeah. So, but yeah, no, I don't think there's anything I could take off Placebo. I don't think there's anything I could take off and feel, you know, content with my removal. I could put that after um, Come Home. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Yeah! yeah. I, I think after come home, is it, it? It goes. I think teenage angst is before come home, right? I think it goes teenage angst, come home. I think te- is teenage angst not the first track in the album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I could put that after come home, and it would be a nice yeah, yeah. continuation. Yeah. But then it might be too similar. That's that's the issue. It's like maybe they, didn't, they kept it off because it was maybe. I, I could I could put it there and feel content about it. Yeah, but maybe it, like it slows down the pace of the album. Yeah, yeah, I'm totally. two similar tracks next to each other. Yeah. I don't know. But yeah, no, I really like it. Really like that song. Really like Placebo. Really like that album. Yeah, that album's like borderline perfect. Yeah, it's a it great album. Might be perfect. I don't know. It's always a toss up between that and Without You, I'm Nothing for my favorite Placebo album. Do you know that their least favorite Placebo album is Black Market Music? That's mad because that, that's well, one of my favorites. I tell you what, I can see why yeah, it yeah. does. It does have like a song with J Devil on it. Which one is that? Revolution, dope guns. Fucking ah, that's such a banger, though. That's Jonathan Davis. Okay. Well, I'm fairly sure. Okay, well, J-Dubs and I have a, a new a new place of, you know... That's J-Devil and Chino, what's his name, from Deftones. Oh, right, 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 Both right. Both on that track. Because okay. I know that Thing Me from She Wants Revenge is also on a track as well. Oh, really? I didn't know Yeah, that. I'm pretty sure the guy from She Wants Revenge is, like, rapping in the back of a song. No, that's... Are you not thinking of that same track and that's Chino? No, no, no. No, seriously. Oh, right. Not the... <laughs> Jack Loves His Tragedy guy. <sighs> I try not to think about the rapping aspect. You look like you look like I sort of like came to win. Oh, that I fucking love that album. Revolution, go 
guns fucking in the streets. Everything will. Okay, okay, right. We're just singing that really good song now. It's so good like, though. But like, I can see like aspects of that album being a bit cringy. Yeah, and yeah, maybe yeah. maybe they're not as happy playing like a commercial for Levi and stuff yeah. like that, which is you know a bit cringy as well. It seems like they're trying to be edgy okay. with that track. The thing is though, when you do that much heroin at any given time, mm. you're gonna have a really fucked up worldview of some stuff, mm. and you know. The one thing keep me going during yeah. a spot of pandemic, genuinely one of the main things keep me going, is Placebo's releasing a new album. Yeah, I'm me too. So excited me too. for that. Yeah, because somebody like their producer put on Instagram like mixing Placebo's new album, and I was like, "Take me there, take <laughs> me there, take me there." Because I know you're not mad in it, but I absolutely adore Live Like Love. It's not my favorite. I'm I'm way more into early Placebo, but I, I I've grown to harbor a level of appreciation for Battle for the Sun. I don't like that album still. I, I like Battle for the Sun. And I like a lot of the songs on Loud Like Love. Like, I like Bosco. Bosco's a fantastic song. Bosco's a great song. I, I just like that album in whole. Like, every single That's track on enough. it. Like, honestly, I think it's as good as Sleeping With Ghosts. and. Uh... Yeah, but you don't like Sleeping With Ghosts. It, well, it's not one of my favourites, but I, I think it's as good as... Yeah. And I think it's as good as Meds, even. You're just saying that because they're two of my favourites. I know, but that's your favourite year of Placebo, because you got into Placebo at that time. Yeah, I know, but my favourite year of Placebo was the ones where they play songs. So, all of them. Okay, is that where you're going with that? Uh... Suck my ass! Move on! <laughs> right, next up is my last song. Good. And, and a surprise to no one, it's a band we've featured here before. It's Faith No More with Cowboy Song. Oh god, I thought it was Nine Inch Nails. <laughs> My humble opinion, that is one of the most hype tracks I've ever heard. It's a very good song. It's a very, very good song. Thank you very much for agreeing with me. I'm sure, <laughs> sure whatever fuck. I know, I used to put that on playlists, you know, like when you're trying to get yourself psyched up for something, mm-hmm. so you, you'd have like music that would get you. Yeah, I'd put a lot of high energy yeah, stuff yeah. on there, and I think that was one of the building ones, because I think by, you know, that song does build into an absolute fucking mm. finale and a half. So what album was that like? You know, recorded around. So that was released on the Live at Brixton, right? Okay. Album from Faith No More, which was the album in between the Real Thing and Angel Dust. Right. Okay. This is just when Mike Patton had joined after the Real yep. Thing, and I think this is the first kind of influence of his him starting to get some say in the songwriting. Sure. Because the kind of big thing with the Real Thing was the album was written by the time Patton got there, and of he course. came in and did album like vocals for the album. Yeah. That was it. And Angel Dust was the first full album where he mm-hmm. got an influence on how the songs are going to be set. Yeah. This song sounds very Real Thing-ish. Mm-hmm. So I have a feeling it might have been held back from Real Thing, if right. you know what I mean. Yeah, because I was going to say, when you were like talking about it, I was like, this would not fit in on Angel Dust. Not at all. It, not not at even all. vaguely. It, it, it has element, it, like it sounds like Real Thing, You're a Faith No More in yeah, the yeah. four. Because it has that pure kind of, that bass, you know, even though that breakdown, that blah, 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 when it does the fake out ending, yeah, yeah. like midway through it. It, that is very kind of introduce yourself slash real thing era Faith No sure. More. So yeah, if you don't know Faith No More, they changed vocalist for the real thing. And uh, they had another guy before Mike Patton for two mm. albums. Uh, introduce Yourself It's still a good album. I would recommend listening to it, but the, f- the vocals are not good on it. Yeah. Like, well, they're not good compared to Patton, in my opinion. I quite like them. Mm. But the real thing is, I like that as an album. It's some people's favourite Faith No More album because it was the first one that kind of got them success. And right. then Angel does a big departure from that. Yep. Smacking the microphone cable, as I say that, because I'm very excited. Yep. Live at Brixton is a bit of a bridge between. But I think that's, you know, the real thing era Faith No More at their best mm-hmm. with that song. So I kind of wish it had been on the real thing. Right. To be honest, I would take off about four tracks on the real thing to get that one on. Sure. Like Fuck Woodpecker from Mars in the Morning After. Neither of those are good tracks. I could even take Zombie Eaters off, even mm. though I kind of like that song. It's just, yeah, that... It's madness to me that that was, you know, just put in a live album. But, sure. that, but that could be because, you know, obviously they wouldn't have fit on Angel Dust and maybe it was, you know, written after the real thing. It is just a gripping, gripping track and I, I love the organ sound in it, obviously. Yeah, you love an organ. Roddy Bottom is a fantastic like keyboard player mm-hmm. and that organ like is just, you know, peak him mm-hmm. and it absolutely ramps the track up to that chorus. I love that you take the elevator to the top and mm-hmm. then ah, it's it's just an absolute powerhouse yeah, of the yeah. more song. It's a good song. 
I know you're not that mad on it, but you don't like real thing. You're a faith in more. Nah, I like Angel Dust. I like Angel Dust a lot and King for a Day, Phil for a Life. Yeah, you started to get into that. Yeah, as well. yeah, I don't mind that album. That was me trying to remember the name of it there. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Didn't want to fuck up in front of, you know, Mike Patton's biggest fan. I'm not. You but... are. <laughs> you are. You, you would leave me for Mike Patton. I'd leave you to speak to Mike Patton. No, you would leave me for back. Mike Patton. No. I like, honestly, the guitar in that mm. track is what makes it for me. Yeah, yeah. That is Jim Martin fucking going wild especially that solo oh my god that's like i don't think like i can use the term face melter in any perfect like more perfect way sure and then like this fakes out an ending and you think it's gonna end and mm-hmm. something kicks in with this like, badass solo and then like it doesn't even stop at the solo like they bring back the chorus for a final time which is a trick i like you know just yeah, end yeah. the song and like the hook and he starts doing a kind of lick underneath it mm-hmm. and, and and building into solo stuff and it's just perfect yeah. like at that point i was just like because oh, like I didn't hear that for like a fair few years after I was in the Faith of More because I don't like live albums so I don't yeah, listen course. to live albums of course. then I heard that and I was like holy fuck holy fuck but Faith No More always have really good b-sides and stuff they don't put on their album and that have now started coming out with kind of you know their vinyl collections or yeah. whatever they've started you know adding back in as like you know extra tracks sure sure there's like specific versions of older tracks pre-Mike Patton that Mike Patton has done vocals for yeah. that have been added as B-sides to like the album mm-hmm. which you know obviously wouldn't be put on the you know the same old track on yeah. another album again but yeah they are amazing songs as well we might talk about them on the list or something but yeah no I adore this track I can tell <laughs> and you tolerate this track no I haven't I am I am so massively ambivalent. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I guess I the real thing you're a faith and more kind of gives me kind of living color vibes and stuff like that. I like that you're a yeah. music and it's not my it's not my favorite, but do you know what? It doesn't matter. It's each to their own. Mm. I know, like I know you like Patton style more than Faith No More style. Yes. If you get what I mean, yes, so I, I can see why that wouldn't maybe necessarily be your favorite. Yeah. Our final song this week is next. Oh my god, it's me. Mm. <gasps> okay. You better not have had a downer to end on okay. after that hype. So fucker. this is the saddest song in the world. This is the saddest song you'll ever hear in your entire life. It's called Queen of the Troubled Teens and it's by Idleworld. <laughs> So that sounds nothing like Idleworld. Yeah, I was going to say that. It's not the Idleworld I know. No, it's not the Idleworld that anyone knows. I love that song. Yeah, it's good fun. So, yeah, Idleworld started out as a punk band. Yeah, um, as I can tell. As you can tell, right? And the first album you might know them having recorded is Hope is Important. Mm-hmm. They actually recorded a mini album before that called Captain. Mm-hmm. I've always known it as the Captain EP. Mm-hmm. But apparently, it's a mini album. It's got fucking sex tracks on it. It's an just EP. an EP, right? So the EP is amazing. It's got like Satan Polaroid on it, and Last Night I Missed All the Fireworks, and a lot of shit. And this song was only on the Japanese version. All right, weird. Yeah, very weird. The Japanese version of the album is like twelve tracks long, so there's a lot. Oh, so of... that's a mini album. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> the, the Japanese version is an album. Mm. The regular version. It's just an EP. It's just like a, it's like a five or six track EP, right? Mm-hmm. So, Idlewell hate the Captain EP. All they right. really like they, that's that's not true. They don't hate it. They look back on it as like, oh, listen to those nineteen year olds playing music, like, mm. you know. And when you compare it to maybe the stuff on like Boring's Promises or even even the stuff that's on hope is important it's a completely different sound almost a completely different band Mm -hmm. but i think queen of the troubled teens should have been on captain okay should have been on all versions of captain i i don't don't dismiss the song i've seen them play it live yeah i've seen them play it live a couple of times i've seen them play captain live that is a fucking trip it's really good. Captain's a fucking great song. It's a mm. great song. And if that hadn't been on the titular Captain EP, I would have picked Captain. Yeah. But I think it's ill-advised to dismiss Idleworld's beginnings as a punk band. Yeah. 
It'd be like dismissing Joy Division's beginnings as a punk As band. Warsaw, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, and, you know, they do a lot of shit with fiddles now. Hmm. You know, they're they're a very, like, different band. They're, no, they're post. Well, they're not even post anymore. They're but... not. I wouldn't say that. They do a lot of, like, folk Indie stuff. Indie rock Yeah, and they do a lot of kind of folky stuff. But, you know, they're 50-year-old guys. Like, what what the fuck do they have to be mad about anymore? They've made bank on Idlewild. Like, yeah. you know, what, what the fuck have they got to be angry about? Bands have to evolve. Yeah. And I think Queen of the Trouble Teens is a, is a great place to look and see where Idlewild started. Mm. But, yeah, I, I really like this song. I mm. really like it. I wish it had been on the Captain album slash EP. So that was my first time ever hearing that. Yeah, yeah. Completely atypical to anything out of the world I've heard totally. before. I liked it. I'm I'm big into punk though, as sure. as you all know. Yeah, no, I, I dug the the energy of it, the style. I thought it was a good actual ending to our playlist. Yeah. It just seems to have built itself back up. It was just like a slow start and then it kinda of drops down quite chill and then yeah, suddenly yeah. for the last few tracks it's been like boom, there we go, that's yeah, just yeah. back on an energy mode. It was a nice kind of high energy ending. Absolutely. I, I just yeah. I don't think just because they used to write punk songs it shouldn't be dismissed. Like yeah, I know yeah. it's a different genre, but like you know, everyone starts and everyone's style evolves. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it's. I think the best example I can think of is is like dismissing Joy Division as Warsaw, which you can't. Yeah, yeah. Because Warsaw are fantastic as mm-hmm. well as Joy Division. Not as good as Joy Division. No, no. But I think it's important. Yeah. I like so that. I, it's always really important to look back and see, you know, where bands started out. Mm-hmm. Like, because you know, Idlewild didn't start out in the what was it like late 80s early 90s kind of thing doing fucking fiddle music and yeah singing about taking boats out to the islands like they didn't they were 19 year old kids like wondering what the fuck was going on in the world but there was also no space for that no of course there wasn't of Of course there wasn't because like it's always like um alex capranos from franz ferdinand says like that kind of indie art rock scene Mm -hmm. i say art rock it's not really but like you know franz ferdinand world the art school sorry yeah the art school scene art school scene wouldn't have come about unless they had the kind of money from the new labor era tony blair like society to record these albums like it's very middle class and queen of the troubled teens is not no it's not it's angry teens making you know angry music yeah. yeah Pull out his eyes and apologize. Yeah. Fuck yeah, you should. Fuck yeah. Yeah. If you like Idle World and you like the kind of stuff on Hope is Important, less so 100 Broken Windows, you you could you could probably find something to enjoy in the Captain EP. Mm. Like you could probably enjoy like Chandeliers, really high paced, but it's not quite as punk. Queen of the Trouble Teens, obviously. Satan Polaroid is that fucking banger eternal but that mm. was on the captain ep but yeah i i actually bought this ep in avalanche nice. when it was still in edinburgh yeah at the top uh was it the top of Colburn street Colburn street yeah. yeah yeah i went in there and they had this and i was like oh my god the I lost will... idol world record good sir i will take three copies of this no i just i took it up to the guy and i was like excuse me i'm really sorry but could you maybe tell me how much this is and he's like that that's like Ten pounds. It was vinyl or uh, it was vinyl. It was oh, before I had hell. a record player. Yes. And I bought it, and I was like, I would very much like to make purchase of this record, please, sir. I still have it. I'll let you listen to it. It's nice, really good. Nice. It sounds like shit. It's so good. Good. I've as, got really as good punk music. Yeah, yeah, I've got really fucked up pressing of it as well, nice. which is really good. I like that. But it's like a special edition numbered pressing. Aye. But it's super fucked up and it's good. But yeah, I really like Idlewild. I think a lot of people listen to Idlewild just now. And here's something that's maybe quite easy to listen to, but they haven't always been easy to listen to. Mm. And I think remembering punk songs of Idlewild's past is important. Is important. Mm. I was looking forward to seeing them, but we don't know what the fuck's happening. With I know. I really want to see them. I really, really want to see them. Thank you, COVID. Yeah, I love that. It, do you know what? It's fine. They'll they'll play another show, All and right. we'll have to go because we have a ticket. Yes, true. So I I don't actually know if I have have the ticket, like if I have physically the ticket. Mm. I need to go home and check my fridge. <laughs> nice. Katie doesn't wear tickets in the fridge, on the fridge. No, no, I, God, do I have a magnet in front of the fridge? Jesus. So that's all for this week. Yes. Please, as always, let us know your picks for this week in the comments or on Twitter. Just shout at us. Just fucking talk to us. Just go to the ocean, put your head under and scream it and we'll find it. Yeah, yeah. oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, Jamie will find it. I'll for find me it. to find it, you have to open a very specific tree. And scream inside the tree, and the squirrels will carry the message to me on my farm. Next week's topic. Yes. Is melancholy masterpieces. Yes. So songs that are depressing as fuck. It's sad boy time, bitch. It's sad boy. 
because you know what? We've had too much happiness recently. The world is too happy a place. We need to be dour and fucking depressed. So... Where's the change? Prepare to cry. All right, Dark Souls. Tear up time, bitches. <laughs> Tell us your pics for that on Twitter. Bring if, your hankies. If you fancy. Until then, stay safe. Wash your hands, tell your mum you love her. Bye! Bye.